Lord God, you are the mighty Lord, uh, the one who reigns supreme over the creation. And as we reflect on the contents of this psalm today and the fact that we can call out to you and know you, uh, help us to, in some sense, be struck more deeply with a sense of awe and wonder at all that the gospel gives to us. And may we then live that out more deeply, we pray, this year. Amen. Well, as any parents here will be able to tell us, teaching children to say please and thank you is not an easy task. It's a lifelong mission, of course. Uh, Please and thank you, they don't come naturally to us, whether young or old. You see, the thing about saying please and thank you is that uh, both require humility. Uh, Both involve a recognition that one is not self-sufficient. Please, of course, means asking somebody for help. And thank you means acknowledging someone else has helped. They both require humility. As a story of an American soldier in World War II who had been serving on the front line. And then he was given a time of leave and went on one of the rest camps that General Patton had established for soldiers uh, to be looked after whilst they were on leave. Uh, on this soldier's return to the front line, he went to the trouble of writing a letter to General Patton. And he wrote a letter to say, thank you. Uh, General Patton actually then wrote back to the soldier. And he said this. He said, in my 35 years in the army, I have sought to care for those under my command. But this is the first letter of thanks that I have ever received from any of them. Saying thank you is a good and a proper and a holy habit. But how do we say please and thank you to God? And that's what this psalm is all about. Uh, When we look at uh, what's going on in the psalm, we see that the psalmist is in a very difficult situation. Uh, It would seem he's in a deadly situation, an absolute desperate situation. And look at verse 3. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. Uh, It seems that the the psalmist has one foot in the grave. Uh, He's in the icy grip of death. He thinks his time is up. Uh, He is totally overwhelmed by trouble and by sorrow. Uh, Verse 8 tells us his eyes were wet with tears, uh, so wet that he's stumbling around. Uh, Verse 10 mentions that he is greatly afflicted. Now, we're not told what the affliction specifically is. Uh, Perhaps he was suffering illness. Perhaps it was something uh, to do with how he had been treated by others. Of course, verse 11 talks about how he says, all men are liars, which indicates maybe he is deeply grieved by the way he's been treated. Well, whatever it was, uh, he has been left in a desperate and deadly situation. Uh, Not many of us can maybe identify with literally facing death, although some of us may have, but all of us will know of times when we have felt desperate and overwhelmed, maybe overwhelmed by trouble or by sorrow. 
maybe being overwhelmed by a sense of helplessness. But of course, there is a deeper sense of helplessness which is true for all of us. Uh, it is that sense of spiritual helplessness which we all face. Uh, we know, of course, that we are rebels who have turned away from God. As a result, we are helpless under His judgment, and we deserve His condemnation. And yet, of course, uh, we need to be rescued. So, uh, in many ways, we face desperate situations in life, situations which we are powerless to resolve ourselves, situations in which we need God's help. And so we move to uh, the please aspect of this psalm, the request for help. And this psalmist indeed is a champion asker of help. He is a very good person who enables and articulates that, that cry for, for help in that uh, please statement. Verse 1 says this, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice, he heard my cry, for mercy. Uh, when facing death in verse 4, then I called on the name of the Lord, O Lord, save me. And indeed, in response, the Lord does save him. Verse 6, uh, the psalmist knew this, the Lord protects the simple-hearted. When I was in great need, he saved me. And of course, we see the Lord brings salvation. He brings deliverance. Verse 8, For you, O Lord, had delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. As I've said, we don't know the specific details of, of the nature of his affliction, and we don't know specifically the details of how God rescued him. But the fact is, he did. So let's just pull into the lay-by for a moment and consider why did the psalmist call on the Lord? Uh, what was it about God that made the psalmist say, please? And the thing we see in the psalm is a reference to God's character and His nature. Uh, in verse 4 he says, Then I called on the name of the Lord. Uh, we know, don't we, that a name in the ancient world summed up the character of a person. In, in the ancient world, a name often had deeper significance about the person. It was like the handle on a suitcase. It represented that person's characteristics. And what here is that name for God? Well, it is the word that is... Uh, expressed using the uppercase letters Lord. Uh, in the Hebrew, it is the word Yahweh. Uh, it's actually used 17 times in this psalm, and it's God's special name. It's God's covenant name. It's the name that God reveals to His people, which speaks of His covenant faithfulness to them. Uh, it actually is a name that comes up again and again in the Old Testament. Uh, Exodus 34 uh, is one classic example of that. Exodus 34, verse 6. This is what God revealed to Moses on Mount Sinai. The Lord, Yahweh, the Lord, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and 
faithfulness. There is the name and the characteristics blended together. And now listen in the psalm to see echoes of that name in, from Exodus 34. In the psalm, verse 5, the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. What gives the psalmist confidence in God is in God's graciousness, His righteousness, and His compassion. The psalmist knows the Lord is loving. The psalmist knows the Lord is good. And he actually acknowledges that in verse 7. God loves His children. He is good to us. Not only is the Lord good, but the Lord is also sovereign. He is all-powerful. After all, He is God. And He protects and He saves and He delivers those whom He loves. So the Lord's love is unchanging. He is faithful. And of course, that is how we opened our service today, reflecting on His faithfulness and singing about it. Great is your faithfulness. What flows out of God's goodness and His faithfulness? The response has to be trust. God's character invites us to trust in Him. And we see that interwoven throughout this psalm. The, psalm, the psalmist deeply trusts the Lord, Yahweh. He knows that the Lord is a covenant God who is committed to Him. He is good and He is loving and He is sovereign and He controls all things. And the psalmist finds great comfort and great strength in the midst of his affliction. If we think about it, of course, if God was sovereign but not good and loving, then we wouldn't want to ask Him because we'd be afraid He would do us harm. If, on the other hand, God was good and loving but not sovereign, then we wouldn't bother asking Him because we would know that He couldn't do anything about our affliction. And yet, because God is both good and sovereign, then we can ask Him. We can say, please, and we can trust Him for His response. It doesn't mean, of course, that He will immediately resolve all of our difficulties but He will be there in our difficulties with us, and He will carry us through those and use them for our good. So, uh, how should we then respond? Uh, we should say, please, but when God answers us, we should then respond with, thank you. And that is at the very heart of this psalm also. Not just please, but thank you. Uh, verse 12, uh, the psalmist says this, How can I repay the Lord for all His goodness to me? How can He repay the Lord for all His goodness to Him? Uh, the other day I was watching again that uh, great film which I commend to you. It's called Sully. Uh, it is... Uh, played by Tom Hanks, who plays Captain 
Chesley Bernadette Sullenberger III. Only in America could you have a name like that. Uh, of course, uh, Sully was the pilot of the A320 aircraft that lost both engines in a multiple bird strike uh, shortly after takeoff from New York's uh, LaGuardia Airport in 2009. Uh, when air traffic controllers instructed Sully to head for the nearby Teterboro air Airport, he calmly informed them that he was unable to reach the runway. Uh, he says with a calm voice, uh, we've lost both engines, we're going to be in the Hudson. Uh, he then told his 150 terrified passengers and five crew members on board to brace for impact. Uh, 90 seconds later, he glided the stricken aircraft over the George Washington Bridge and onto the chilly surface of the Hudson River, where it splashed down midway between Manhattan and New Jersey. Incredibly, all on board survived due to the skill and the calm professionalism of Sully. And the film closes with a real-life photograph of Sully with all the passengers in an aircraft hangar sometime later at a reunion. And it was obvious that this life-defining incident had formed a lifelong bond of gratitude between the rescued and the rescuer. How could they ever repay him for the debt of their lives? And in a similar sense, the question is faced with each of us. How can we ever repay God for the debt of our lives, for all he has done to us? Uh, the answer, of course, in one sense is that we cannot, and we don't have to. Uh, we know that we don't achieve some salvation, we receive salvation. But we also know that what follows trust is thanks. And God wants us to respond to his grace with gratitude. And that is what the psalmist calls us to do. And the psalmist himself lives that out. The psalmist we see in the psalm lives a life of loving gratitude and devotion to God. Uh, verses 1 and 2 again. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned my, his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. Do you see where his heart is? It's a heart filled with love for the Lord. And it's a love which will last his entire life, as long as he lives. At weddings, people promise to love each other as long as they so shall live. And when we enter into a relationship with God through trusting in Christ, we enter into a love relationship where we say, I am also going to love you now as long as I will live. I love the Lord. So, as we start this new year, it's a good time to ask those reflective questions. And the first is this. Uh, to what extent is our love for the Lord a driving force in our lives? 
in response to his love for us, are we responding ever more deeply with our love for him? Is my love for the Lord all life encompassing in every sphere of my life? Am I driven by duty or by love? As verse 9 says, he wants us to walk before the Lord in the land of the living. What does a life of love walked before the face of God look like? And there are many different answers to that question, but the psalmist picks up on two in particular, uh, praying and serving. Firstly, prayer. Uh, The psalmist resolves to call on the Lord all his life. Look at the end of verse 2. I will call on him as long as I live. The psalmist loved the Lord. He had a relationship with the Lord. And he was therefore motivated to walk each day hand in hand with his Lord and Savior. And he was to express that in prayer. A life where he walked each day expressing his heart moment by moment in prayer to his Lord. We see this also in verse 13. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. At verse 17, I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. As we start this new year, let us reflect together on how we could deepen our prayer lives this year. How could prayer become a more central aspect to our life? Because, of course, one aspect of prayer is an expression of our dependence on God. We say please, but we also say thank you, and we praise Him. And we'll be thinking about that next week. Uh, This week we're thinking about thanking the Lord. Next week we'll be thinking about praising the Lord. So how can we deepen our prayer life this year? How healthy is your prayer life? Uh, Do you find it a chore? Uh, Is your prayer life a once in a while sort of thing? Or do you love the Lord? And is it expressed in a deep daily communion with Him? Talking with Him as with our loving Heavenly Father. So, uh, the first expression of a life walked before the face of God is prayer. And the second, finally, is service. Verse 16. O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have freed me from my chains. Of course, it is the Lord Jesus that has freed us ultimately from our chains. He is the one who has rescued us. He is the one who has loved us with a love which is incomparable to any human love we can ever experience. And so, a life where we are so deeply touched by his love should then issue in grateful service to him. And did you notice the focus of that service? Uh, Where does it take place? Verse 18. 
I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. So, of course, we do serve the world as we live in the world, but our service is also focused within the church and within God's people. Uh, We serve fellow believers. We serve the church. We serve the body of Christ, as Josephine acknowledged in our prayer time. And it is a beautiful thing. And of course, that service is expressed in many different ways. It served in acts of care. When we check up on each other to find out how we're doing. It served when people say, I'm going to go and help in the kids' church. I'm going to forego sitting in the adult sermon and I'm going to help the kids. I'm going to love them and serve them. It's served when we give sacrificially, financially to God's work, both here and beyond here in ministries throughout the world. It's served when we take on leadership roles which take up our time and our energies. It's served when we go to PY camps and help out in many different ways. So at the start of this year, it's an encouragement to continue in our acts of service to the Lord, to continue to express our love for him in those acts of practical service and devotion. And where maybe at times we start to feel weary, uh, to be reinvigorated with that attitude of love which flows from looking back to the cross because we need to remind ourselves, of course, the Son of God is the one who loved me. He is the one who gave his life for me. And in response, along with the psalmist, we are able to then say, I love the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for all your goodness to us. Uh, Thank you for that priceless gift of a reconciled relationship with you, the great God, Yahweh, the one who is good but who is also sovereign and powerful. Uh, Please, we pray, may that love filter ever deeper into our hearts this year and may it stir us up to deeper lives of prayer with you and deeper acts of service, uh, fired and fueled by our our love and gratitude to you. Amen.